Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us wherever you're listening this afternoon on the Super Talk Radio Network or maybe online as we stream the show live every day around the world. Glad you're with us. Hope you've had a safe and a good, productive day. We've got a good show today. One of the great basketball players. From the ladies' uh, Golden Eagle basketball team is going to be joining us here in just a couple of moments. Al Holder has a bone to pick with me and Luke. He's going to be joining us a little later in the show. But uh, first, I want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for continuing to sponsor the Eagle Hour, even through these hard times. I want to remind all of our listeners that Dickie's is providing that delicious food that they cook every day. You can get through the drive-thru or they'll deliver it to your home. Just go to Dickie's.com. Luke, how are you today? Doing good, man. Sorry, I, I'm I, I got here late. I've been recording uh, Facebook videos every day as we walk towards Easter, and I looked down and it was like 104, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh snap, I've got to get get on the air." So yeah, having a great Friday, Bob. Enjoying, uh, you know, we just count down until uh, this order kicks in at five o'clock. Just making sure we got everything we need, and it looks like we do. So uh, there we go. Good Friday. All right, our first guest. This young lady just uh, finished her Southern Miss basketball career. 117 games. 959 points, 517 rebounds, 83 assists. Respect, Leaphard on the Eagle Hour. Respect, we're glad to have you on the show, dear. Thanks for having me. You mean you couldn't let them talk? You couldn't talk Coach McNellis into setting up some stuff where you could have scored, let's see, just just 41 more points and you'd have been in a 1,000-point club. Did you ever ask her about that? Well, I actually did make the uh, thousand point. Oh, you did. Okay, good. Well, yeah. my statistics are old then. Well, good. Well, good. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to know that, and congratulations. We're glad to have you on the show. We uh we talked a lot about you over the last couple of years on this show, and uh, not only are you a great basketball player, Luke, and I always thought you may have had the best name in college sports. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty different. <laughs> How did you get the name Respect? I don't know. I mean, I guess my mom having me young and uh, her older sister just taking initiative to try to name me and just something different. Yeah, well, she did it. And I, I just, Luke, you said that to me one time. It was the best name in sports. Am I right? It is because she's a basketball player and she's always jumping for rebounds and she plays with a lot of heart. And because of that, you get mad respect. So, like, her whole name was meant to play, uh, you know, post play for college basketball. Well, does it seem like it went by in a flash respect? I mean, it definitely does. Like, me and Shante always have flashbacks. Like, you remember our freshman year? And that was like four years ago. So it was kind of like a time capsule. <laughs> right. But I, I, I guess I guess it's filled your brain with, with great memories and great friendships. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah, of course. All right. Talk to us about playing college basketball. How, how, how much – how difficult was it to make the adjustment from high school? And when you think back on it now, what comes to your mind first? What what makes puts the biggest smile on your face? 
Um, the growth, you know, from coming in from high school. Like, I, I always practiced intense in high school, but college is, like, intensity times 10. So it's, like, thinking you can't do something, and it's just intense, and then going to, like, my senior year where everything is, like, second nature almost. Like, you know, being able to run sprints and still stand up at the end, stuff like that. Um, it's just the intensity level and just the growth within myself that I see in how I offer, you know, help or anything to others around me. In my freshman year, I couldn't do that. So right. it was just the growth for me. Right. Luke? Respect, uh, we, we had Shantae on the other day, and, and you guys came in together. And I just want to commend you publicly on the air that you did not pull a Shantae Hales and go hide under your bed. I think maybe Shantae <laughs> was the only player that could fit under a bed. But it was yeah. a grind for you for you ladies coming in, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, we had to grind for every, every second we touched the floor. So, you know, when you, when you came in as a – kind of walked with us, you know, how you got to Southern Miss, and because you, you are from Florida. And we were talking to Shantae. You know, she was about 45 minutes away. They could send a coach up Interstate 59 and pull her out from under the bed say, no, you're going to play. If you'd have made that uh, decision, we'd have had to send an airplane down after you. How, how was the, the transition, and how did you get to Southern Miss from Fort Myers, Florida? Um, I guess um – I mean, I guess I was considered a top player in Florida, but I always wanted to get out of Florida. I mean, my dream school was USF, but, you know, I always wanted to get out of Florida if I could. And um, Coach McNeilis made that happen, and um, she just stayed true to me and actually believed in me and what I could do. And, you know, I value that about her. So I just came and took a trip to Mississippi. There's something different. I've never been here. So I've never been a lot of places outside of Florida, but. Um, it was tough, you know, being like ten and a half hours from my family, but you know, I have a good support team. So, I mean, they helped me and they pushed me through times where I felt like I wanted to hop on the plane and get home. But um, another yeah. thing, and my mom would not let that happen. <laughs> she wouldn't even book me a flight my freshman year. I probably didn't even know how to book my own flight, so <laughs> she wouldn't let that happen. And um, Coach Manila didn't so let that happen. And- so you had you had never been uh, to to Mississippi before. Now let's be honest: the fast pace of Florida, the slow pace pace of Mississippi. Did it take you a while to get adjusted? Was it weird living in a new place? No, it definitely was weird. Like just like going outside, like having something to do all the time, like in Florida, and just fast pace, like you say, and just a lot of stuff around, a lot of activity. And then I come to Mississippi, and it's like more calm, cool, collect, you know, chill vibe. <laughs> And it's actually different. I actually like it because it's, it's just a total opposite. You know, it's something that I'm not used to, and I like things that I'm not used to because it puts me in a different, you know, position in life and anything. Right. Now, you told me before we went on the air that you, you hadn't been able to go home because of the virus and all the lockdowns. You're here in town, right? Yeah, I'm still in Hattiesburg. I yeah, got Florida you. was locked down. I got you. Now, you played for a lady that we love on this show. We've been saying that all week, but but it's just true. Have you got a good Joy Lee McNellis story you can share with us, Respect? Something that really exemplifies what an unusual person uh, Coach really is? Well, um, I mean, there's so many, but I could never forget. I think it was my freshman year after we lost against Mississippi State. And, um, you know, a coach is going to be upset regardless of a, a loss, you know. Right. So we go into practice the next day, and, you know, it's like, are we supposed to lose whatever, whatever, whatever. And she got so mad and we just ran and ran and ran and ran and then we was like coach I think we're about to throw up and she she goes we better get the tires and put the trash cans out there because we're going to run and try and get tired 
<laughs> but it's, it was just an eye-opening moment, like, you know, just because, you know, you lost and whoever says you're supposed to lose, that's not, you shouldn't be okay with that. And it was just, it was just funny after we looked back at it, <laughs> but uh-huh. in the moment, it definitely was not funny. <laughs> now, we've heard, we've had people tell us that, uh, that she's tough. I mean, you know, she's oh, a, yeah. she's tough on her players. Is that true? Oh, definitely. But you have to be, especially with, like, people like our age, you know, and younger, you just have to be because most of us, like myself, we come and we're just, you know, here sometimes alone, so we have to find the guidance. And she, you know, being tough and, like, teaching us, you know, values that apply on and off the court is very important, and she does well with that. And another thing we've gathered in talking to some of your teammates over the past several days is there's a great love between you young women and Coach McNellis. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Is she the kind of person now that'll that'll be an influence on you the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I, I couldn't forget her if I wanted to. Like, she's she's made a lot of changes, and she's influenced a lot of my decisions I've made since I've been here. That's a great line, Luke. I couldn't forget her if I wanted to. <laughs> Nobody can. There, there's only one. There's only one Joy Lee. Respect. I do want. I do want to ask you this. We didn't get to to talk to Shantae about this, but you know, it was pretty obvious uh, for the last, especially the last two years, how Shantae Hales was really the captain and the, and the general in the court. And I just want to ask you specifically, how tough it was was it for you guys, not just for one year. But for two years, the Lady Eagles, down the stretch, we, we lost our floor general. You know, it was just crazy injuries that happened. What was yeah. it like, and how did you guys pull through? I mean, through that stretch, it had nothing to do with on the court. You know, everyone had the ability to make it to this level. Only thing that changed within us is the chemistry off the court. By getting to know each other, you know, being able to know – like and identify each one of our strengths as you know a teammate and know what we can do best with it and work with what we had. So that's really what made the difference and made the change. You know during the stretch. Yeah. Well, What's next for you? Respect. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, pursuing my career as a you know professional athlete, or you know, go and take the role with, the, with my major of criminal justice and my minor in psychology. Try mm-hmm. to do something along the lines of juvenile delinquency. Well, that sounds good. That sounds like a great plan. Look, we're sorry you couldn't go home, but we're glad you're here. And, of course, this is your second home. And uh, you'll always be a big part of Southern Miss uh, women's basketball, dear. And uh, we thank you for your time and and wish you nothing but the best of luck in the rest of your life. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Respect Lee Part, everybody. One of the great basketball players uh, that's been on the floor here the last few years. And we're glad that she was on the Eagle Hour. All right, when we come back, Al Holder has a bone to pick with me and Luke. We'll uh, let him have his say right after this. Uh Uh-oh. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Hey, we want to thank Respect Leapart for coming on the show. Delightful young ladies. Had so much fun this week interviewing some of these basketball kids uh, from Joy Lee's team. And uh, they all know that she's quite a character, uh, but a lot of love between these young women and, and their basketball coach. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. I suggest you might want to go on the Internet, campusbookmark.net. And uh, order your Southern Miss apparel. They'll deliver it right to your front door. We sure appreciate those folks and want to encourage everybody to support them through this difficult time. CampusBookmart.net. All right. Last week when Founders Day rolled around, Luke and I were talking about, uh, you know, historical figures in Southern Miss history. And we got around to football and I threw out the name Bobby Collins. And I said, I thought overall Bobby Collins was probably the most iconic football coach we've had. And the guy that set Southern Miss football on the map. Well, my buddy and our uh, official baseball correspondent of Eagle Hour got in touch with me and told me I was wrong about that. So I invited him back on the show. Al Holder is with us. And uh, Al, first of all, glad to see that uh, you and your family are all doing okay. And where did I go wrong in saying Bobby Collins was the most iconic football coach at Southern Miss? Well, let me get, give me a minute and let me give you a few statistics. Go ahead. Bobby Collins was forty-eight, thirty, and two. Jeff Bauer in eighteen years was one hundred and nineteen, eighty-three, and one. Thad Pivan from nineteen forty-nine to nineteen sixty-eight—that's twenty years—had nineteen straight winning seasons, two national championships, nineteen fifty-eight and nineteen sixty-two. And these weren't obscure national championships. They were AP, UPI, college division, national championships. The only losing season he had was his last season, 1968. He was 139, 59, and 2. He beat Alabama several times, Georgia. Uh, he beat Virginia Tech, North Carolina State. And if, if I'm not mistaken, the, the 62 uh, NC State game was in, uh, in Mobile. And we held them to minus 25 yards total offense. He, he was a, he's a member of the 1987 College Hall of Fame, and he's the only football coach from Southern Miss to be in the College Hall of Fame. I say he's the best. Uh, Lucas, sounds like I've been corrected. Um, I would I wasn't gonna I won't talk about you particularly but yeah i mean that's a good case for it i, I mean i thought you know if Sander was on here uh, we're probably gonna get an fcc fine when i say this name but you know i i thought that ellis johnson was it sorry for mentioning it um no uh jay hobson we always remind people that when uh, when jay hobson won his first game against kentucky he surpassed ellis johnson for all-time wins as a southern miss head coach so um you know if you look at the winning percentage uh van uh curly hallman actually had a better winning percentage. Fedora was second, right at sixty-four percent. Curly was at sixty-seven percent, but but Pivan is right at sixty-one, sixty-two percent. So, absolutely, there is a, a great argument to be made on that. Coach Bauer, by far, the most wins of uh, of anyone. But yeah, and I I would throw it out too. It, what what defines a coach is is not just uh, the longevity or the consistency; it's the wins that he pulls off too. 
Um, you know, when you look at P.W. Underwood, he he had he actually had a losing record, 31-32, and 32, but I'll tell you guys off air, maybe one of the most important victories in Southern Miss history was the 1970 game uh, against Ole Miss when they beat Archie Manning. So every single one of these coaches uh, on, on the list, other than E.J. himself, Elos, has something that that catapulted in their uh, head coaching uh, career that took Southern Miss football to the next level. All right, Al, put in perspective these two national championships because that's that's something a lot of people may not be completely aware of. But as you say, these were legit. How was the national championships divided up back in that era? The Well, they had the university division and college division. It, it's kind of interesting that in that era back there that we had this division between the, these, these schools uh, in, in the so-called major conferences and the schools that uh, were in smaller conferences. And uh, so we've gone back to that, it seems like. But the, uh, the UPI, was it Universal United Press uh, International and AP Associated Press, they actually voted on the two, on the university division and the college division uh, teams. In uh, 58, for instance, uh, LSU was 11-0, and and uh, Southern Miss was 9-0. and and uh, there's a little-known fact here that back then they tried to get uh, LSU and the Sugar Bowl to agree to, to to play Southern Miss in the Sugar Bowl in January 1 of 1959. And LSU wouldn't have anything to do with it, and they ended up playing Clemson. I think they beat them 7 to nothing. But there was a movement to get that done to see how the two divisions uh, played out. But uh, – and, and – Going back to Bobby Collins, you know, Bobby Collins had some great football players and some great teams. I mean, they, they were some fun teams to watch. You know, uh, Jeff Bauer is by far, my, by far my favorite guy in Southern Miss history. I, just, I love Jeff Bauer, and I thought he did more for our program uh, in, in an era when there was more more press and more uh, more publicity, and he, he had some big wins and was so consistent in, in his teams. He he recruited the, the kind of player you could be proud of, these kids. And he, he helped them grow up in the program. And by the time they were juniors and seniors, they, they were really, really good football players playing on really good football teams. So uh, it's a, we, we've just always had this kind of chip on our shoulder that we do things a little differently, a little better than most everybody else. And uh, I think Bear Bryant said at one time that, uh, the, the one team he hated to play more than anybody on the planet was was Southern Miss because his teams always win or lose. It just got the heck beat out of them. Right. And uh, that, that's a great tribute. Right. You know, Al, I, I know you're aware of this, and I'm not sure I'm not sure how old you were, Luke, in this era. You were pretty close to playing. But, you know, year in, year out, uh, Jeff took teams uh, over to uh, Tuscaloosa every year. And uh, Tuscaloosa or Birmingham, it was like, like an annual trip. Uh, yes. My wife and I missed very, very few of those games, and uh, we always went out with the expectation of winning the Dagum game. And if we, and and many, many of them went right down to the wire. And uh, and one thing everybody knew on both sides of the ball. And I had a very good friend up in the Delta that was an Alabama alumni, and uh, and and he would be quick to tell me this: the most physical football game you could ever watch would be a game between Southern Miss and Alabama, right? I was on a bus going from a hotel downtown out to uh, in Birmingham, going out to the, the football stadium out there, and uh, that was Gene Stallings' first year. And uh, 
somebody on the bus was saying, I hope Stallings knows who they're playing today. And it, as it turned out, of course, we beat them. Right. And uh, it uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, me personally, if we're going to play one of those so-called money games, I'd rather go to Tuscaloosa every year. And then any other yeah. place, I'd rather go over there and play. Hello? Yeah, I mean, we did that. I should mention the reason we beat Jim, Jim Stallings is courtesy of uh, the toe of Jim Stump Taylor. Shout out to Stump Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. That, that yeah. <laughs> But yeah, when when I played, um, every single year we went to Alabama, and it was a, I mean, it was a pretty cool trip. We would roll in on Friday, and we would have a walkthrough in the stadium. So we would get to go in the stadium, and we would you know fool around, throw the football, kick. Lyman would would uh, go through some stuff and just walk around, and you get the, the sense of the atmosphere. We would do that on the way in, and then we would go to Birmingham, and we would uh, we would stay at the at the mall there, uh, in the in the big hotel, and then on game day, guys, they would bring us back on four fifty nine, and the entire interstate was shut down, and our buses would go around all this traffic where four fifty nine merges into fifty nine, and we had the entire road to ourselves. It was amazing, and even when you came in um, to Tuscaloosa, and you would go down McFarland and Bear Bryant Drive right there. I mean, just the the amount of people on either side. And you know we we played some really close games. My senior year coming after Katrina, we should have beat them. We were we were up on them pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean it was a phenomenal experience to play. But you know we got to play. We played at Nebraska. We beat Nebraska at Nebraska. Some of those teams played at Penn State. Played it at A and M. Um, played at Auburn. Played at Tennessee. Played at TCU. And it was always an enjoyable experience to go in there with what you said, Bob, with the expectation of winning. That was my question to you, Luke. What was the mindset when you guys went to? Tuscaloosa. I'm guessing you guys went fully intending to win the football game. There was rarely ever a game, especially uh, when I played, and, uh, and it's when we had Derek Nix and the defense in '03, and, and even in '04. Like when Aaron Rodgers rolled in, and we were six and four, and they had lost one game, we were like, "We're going to beat these dudes." I mean, that was just the way we felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, Al, can you stick around? Let's let's keep talking a little bit about Southern Miss football, some of the sure. great great memories, and uh, also uh, kind of get your input on baseball. We really haven't talked about that uh, with you, uh, and and just what a what a loss it was for all of us to have our baseball season ended. Uh, but obviously, we have other things on our mind right now. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Al Holder, who's well and good up in Brandon, and we're glad to tell you that. Uh, We're going to talk a little about Southern Miss football, reminisce about some of the good days when the Eagle Hour continues. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Back on a Friday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Eagle Hour today, Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. We are uh, just about three and a half hours away from uh, the executive order shelter in place issued by Governor Tate Reeves. Um, So that will begin at 5 o'clock today going until Monday, April 20th at 8 a.m. But uh, restaurants still open, and our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill have a 895 lunch special every single day. They're going to be serving uh, spaghetti plates tomorrow at Sidelines. They're going to have crawfish, so uh, be sure to to take advantage of that. Um, We still can, uh, if we we need food and you need groceries, you can get out. Um, So all that happens uh, tomorrow at Sidelines and 4th Street Bar and Grill. We greatly appreciate their support. We're reminiscing with Al Holder, and we were talking in the commercial break. You guys, uh, I was, I'll, I'll get to, to my thoughts, what I was telling you, but when, when was the, the rock the loudest, the, one of the most impressive crowds, uh, maybe not size-wise, but like loudest? What were some of, in, in your mind, and, and Bob and, and Al, when the rock was just absolutely juicing? All right, go ahead, Al. Uh, we were talking about the Cal game. and uh, Before the Cal came in, they were ranked, what, number four, I think, in the country at the time. And uh, Rogers yeah. was the quarterback, and in the warm-ups, I'm watching him, uh, you know, throw. And 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 uh, I remarked to my friend Tom, who, who I've sat with at the games, I said, "That guy's got the best mechanics I have ever seen in my entire life." And uh, he's proved it, of course, in, uh, in the NFL. But uh, I thought that game had a lot, a lot of energy. There was a, another game that was, to me, if we go look at the disappointing game, when Pitt came in here, oh, gosh, I don't remember the year, but they came 93. in. And, and we lost to them. I mean, and they were, what they, that was the only game they won all year. It was terrible. And yet we had a, well, I think we had a pretty decent season after that. It was just a, a bad loss. You know, the best fans uh, of another school, for me, are the Nebraska fans. Right. They are just Absolutely. Complete class. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say that, that my two were, uh, were, I thought the Cal game, now I'm going to take that back. I, it, was the, it, was the, it was, yeah, it was the Cal game. Am I right, Luke, that if they, they, they had real aspirations of going to the uh, Fiesta Bowl? Am I correct about that? They were going to the Rose Bowl. They the were Rose going Bowl. to the Rose Bowl, and we played them so close. That was BCS days. Texas jumped them in the BCS and went to the Rose Bowl to play Michigan. Uh, so maybe it's the – am I right about this? TCU at one point uh, came in, and, and that was the big night that we beat them. That they were – maybe that's the team that was – they were eighth, and they were. It was they were going to be the first uh, BCS buster. They were going to be the first team from a, a non Power Five school, or what we would call the Power Five now. And I remember actually on the sidelines because uh, kickers and punters we get out there first. I was walking on the sideline in pregame, and there's like Orange Bowl reps like standing on our sideline. I was like, wow. Yeah. And it, I mean, every single three times that year in the '03 season. We played on Thursday night, three different times, on ESPN with Corso, Tarico, and Herb Street. I mean, it was pretty extraordinary. We played UAB on a Thursday. We played Nebraska on a Thursday, and that TCU game was on a Thursday. Yeah, and I go back to that. I go back to that TCU game because that was the night that the that the fan the the, the rock was packed. The fans started chanting "overrated" at the start of the football game, and never stopped. For three hours, overrated, overrated. 
And uh, later, late in the fourth quarter, all the students took out their keys and just started yelling, "Crank the bus! Crank the bus!" <laughs> and they had moved them actually that that game. They they were moved from where they they used to be, and it was because during, when Nebraska came on Thursday night, our students were not throwing cups, our students were not throwing liquid, our students were throwing United States currency. They were throwing change at the Nebraska players, so they had to move them down so that they wouldn't do that anymore. So as a, as a player, how 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 helpful were those type of atmospheres how, what did what did that do to the psyche of the football team when you came into the rock luke and it was crazy like it was in those ball games you just you just felt like you couldn't lose you you felt like um nothing that that you were going to do was was going to go wrong it just uh, the, uh, another one it's the same way it was it was disappointment it was the year before you remember when Dave Ragone in Louisville rolled in right. on, a, on a Thursday right. night we lost by 3 in overtime but it was it was the same type of thing i mean it was just the crowds behind us we're not going to lose this total you you feel totally good about your game plan and and uh, that what i started uh in it was the Memphis game in '03. It was like the second home game. At the end of every game, and I did the rest of my career, I would run over, and I don't know who the frat guys were, but there was all these dudes on the front row. I would jump up on the wall, do my version of the Lambo leap, and it kind of took off. And it was one of my favorite things to do on game day. Was after we had won, sprint over there and just show, especially our student section, what they had meant to us during the game. Right. When you think about those nights and days, Al, put a smile on your face. Oh boy, I was just sitting here thinking about Luke and his. His his uh, uh, M.M. Roberts leap, and I was going. You know, that was the same year that the track coach, uh, Coach Hall, came and got him to to do the high jump. Yeah, yeah. All right, that, you, you that, remember that, that, don't you, Luke? That, that was it. Yeah. No, no, it, it did <laughs> not happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we're talking about uh, TCU games. Remember the GMAC Bowl? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, how that ended with that pass, that touchdown pass, right? Right at the end, everybody's frozen to death. And uh, uh, what another exciting one. That, that, we beat LaDainian Thomason that night. Yeah, yeah, you did. It was freezing cold. TCU yeah. had a punter who was punting barefooted in like 35-degree yeah, temperature. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this is what happened. So Brent Hanna was our kicker. He was a great, great friend of mine. But he had a terrible night, and he was like 0 for 3. So we got down there, and we were in field goal range. Kurt Jones has redshirted the entire season. Coach Bauer grabs Kurt by the face mask and says, Hey, Jones, will you lay aside your red shirt to win this game for us? And what's Kurt going to say? He's like, Yes, Coach, I will. Well, then Jeff hits Kenny Johnson for a touchdown, and Kurt doesn't burn his red shirt. <laughs> Stuff like that are part of those games. They're just great stories. Here's a great yeah. here's a great story that, that I can share that my wife and I experienced. We're in Houston, Texas, and we're obviously playing Houston. And uh, there is a, there's a couple of Southern Miss kids, and they're standing in the aisleway right in front of where we're sitting. And shall I say they probably have had a little too much to drink. And uh, one of them is getting pretty obnoxious at the Houston crowd. And we hear the Houston police officer walk over and tell him, look, I want you to have a good time, son, but you're going to have to calm down. And the kid just keeps on. Son, you're going to have to calm down. The kid just keeps on. And Angela hears the cop say, boy, I don't want to arrest you. I really don't. But you're about 10 seconds away from visiting the Houston jail. My wife gets up, goes over, don't know the kid from Adam, grabs him by the arm, brings him with her, sits him down beside her and says, son, you're going to have to be quiet or you're going to get arrested. And he looks at her real sheepishly and goes, yes, (laughs) ma'am. 
<laughs> Go Angel. Great, great memories of Southern Miss football. It was it, Al Holder. It was it was magical at times, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, I have like some of my greatest memories are just the, you know being there and and, and you know I had a friend of mine, uh, Lamar Reynolds, who I think he set the record for continuous games home and away forever, and. He was a fraternity brother of mine, and I probably went to ninety percent of those games with him. But uh, it, you know, all over the country, we we would just get in the car and go. But it was uh, some fun times. It's great stuff. Yeah. Right? No, I had I had a good buddy. I know you know him by the name of Ed Jussley, who loved yep. who loved yep. Southern Miss football. Sure and uh, I used to take a lot of road trips with him uh, to some of the away games, and uh, and those are great memories. And Luke, I got to tell you, dude, uh, you're my man. One of my fondest memories of Southern Miss was the Cal game when you uh, were on the field, and we were coming back and. Uh, I, th- I want to say had scored and kicking uh, an extra point to maybe tie the game late, and they blocked it. And uh, you chased a Cal player about seventy yards down the field trying to prevent him from scoring. Do you recall? I'm sure you recall that. Johnny Eubanks took a punt return to the to the ten uh, yard line, and about two plays later, Dustin Allman snuck it in. And so me and Michaela were out on the field. I'm holding. I just remember when I looked up after Darren kicked the ball, there was this dude, he jumped, and it was, all I saw was he was the number nine. He blocks the PAT, he picks the ball up going the other way, and this voice inside of me said, run, Luke, run. And I began to run the fastest that I've ever run in my life. This is a defensive back from Cal. He's a 4-5 guy, and I'm step by step with him. And right before I make my move to tackle, this voice inside of me said, all right, you're out of gas, and he cruised on into the end zone. Oh, that's true. Uh, that's, it was. It was about a sixty or seventy yard yeah. sprint. I was proud of yeah. myself. No, it moment. was. It was great. Hey, Al, great sharing uh, some wonderful memories for you. It feels good to think about things like that at a time like this, and uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and, and on a serious note, I want you to take care of yourself. I'm, I don't know why. I'm very fond of you, and I don't want anything to happen to you. So you be careful. The feelings mutual. All right, Al. Thanks, Bob. All right, buddy. Luke, Al, you take care of yourself, buddy. Al, Thanks, Al. Al Holder, everybody. Luke and I will catch up with Kelly Santer and wrap up another uh, odd week of the Eagle Hour, but one we're glad that we can bring you right after this. To the top. Appreciate Al Holder dropping in and reminiscing with us about some great games from Southern Miss football history. Also, 
respect for Respect Lee Part of Southern Miss Lady Eagle Basketball for joining us. Uh, Bob, I heard uh, from a little bird uh, whispering in my ear that Joy Lee McNellis was actually listening to that. And yeah. She wants a clerical position with the Eagle Hour for helping us line up all these things. You know what I mean? So uh, She can have just anything Joy she Lee wants, what, buddy. <laughs> Joy Lee, just what Kelly and I live off of is Bob's promise that the check's in the mail. So That's we just right. want to throw that out there. We'll add her to so, the yeah, list. Toyota no Hattiesburg. Problem. We, we can do it. Toyota Hattiesburg, a fourth uh, segment sponsor of the Eagle Hour, toyotahattiesburg.com. Also on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. You can go on their website right now and check out their new pre-owned and certified inventory. Kelly John Sander joins us on a Friday. Beautiful day, Kelly, in Hattiesburg. It is. <laughs> I don't think anybody's been outside. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, the scenery is going to be the trying. same for about the next three weeks, I think. Right, uh, right. I get outside. I, I drive up here to do the show. I open the car door. I race to the door. I get in. I lock the door. And I get outside when I'm going back home. And that's about the extent of it for me. Yeah, the, like like if you're not the lead dog, the view isn't going to change. Well, that's kind of, I think, the boat that most of us are in. Yeah, that's you know, exactly I, I, right. I follow up, Bob and Luke, from yesterday. The NCAA actually polled its uh, athletic directors last night in a conference call, and the, the athletic directors generally feel that uh, next year the after effects of all this, this uh, virus mess is that they project that attendance in all sports will be down between 8 and 20% next academic year. Um, so if they, they don't already have to deal with the financial fallout of this. We talked about Iowa State University cutting athletic salaries $3 million for next academic, academic year, trying to be, you know, take a, a, a presumptive strike to, the, to some of the financial problems here. Because the Big 12 did not have its postseason tournament and because the NCAA did not have the basketball tournament, of which Iowa State would get a cut of all the Big 12's participants, um, they, that's why they're having to cut those salaries by $3 million, and they said it could be another $1 million next year in athletic salaries. In a side note, there are more legislatures now across the country that are going to start discussing, get this, you guys, how much it will be legal to pay football coaches really? at, state, at, at public state institutions, that salaries have gotten completely out of hand, and that the fallout again from this virus situation when athletic budgets are going to have to be scrambling, that schools may have to be dropping sports, both male and female. This, this, the lid of this thing is just, is just starting to come off, and there is no telling the financial ramifications, how wide and how deep this virus is going to hurt college sports from a, from a right. financial. Well, well, I think we've all been reminded over the last few weeks who is really important in our society. You know, what professionals are really the important people in our society. And with all due respect, with all due respect, football coaches, college football coaches are not high on the list right now, Kelly. I absolutely agree with you, Bob. And this has been a debate that's been ongoing. But unfortunately, sometimes it, it takes things like this to – reassess things right as as to where are we but but you know from a from a standpoint from a free enterprise standpoint in a capitalistic society i don't know that 
you can really tell somebody how much they're worth. Well, I agree with you there. I, I, I think that, you know? yeah. I, I, I tell you who's. I tell you who. Everybody is is uh, going up a, a ladder in the important list are, are teachers because there's some parents right now that are figuring out after five years of taking Johnny's side that Johnny that the teacher wasn't a problem. That's Johnny's exactly, the main that's star. That's 100 percent correct. That's 100 yeah, percent correct. Johnny's not as special a kid as they thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's 100 percent correct. Hey, let, let's not forget too. Let's not. And I told my wife last night, I wish we could figure out how to find the average guy that works at the local Walmart or grocery store and bring them on this show next week to thank them for what they're doing. Let's not forget those guys that are stocking these stores and keeping them full so everybody has plenty to eat and the things that they need. My heavens, those guys are heroes and ought to be making a lot more money than they make. I actually, because of the the implementation of uh, Governor Reeves' shelter-in-place thing that goes in effect 5 o'clock this afternoon, I made one last, uh, you know, trip to get whatever i thought i would need and then and i bob i actually pointed that out to the workers i, I absolutely I, I within six feet away from them you know but i said hey thank you all so much for being open and for putting yourselves out there 100 um, percent. and most of them were younger people you know right. so i don't i don't think they uh, they, they right. still to a degree kind of think they're invincible right um but you also got to make a living, too. So, yeah, kudos to them. Right. And let's not forget those guys that come around once a week and take all the trash away. I, I, I've got great respect. i got great respect for all of these people who in, who, in the light of all of this danger, are out there every day doing their job so that all of us can feel relatively normal. And I, I just don't think you can thank those people enough. Preach, brother, preach. Yeah, well, that's right. Okay, well, that wraps up the Eagle Hour for this week. We hope that we've brought you a little relief and uh, maybe a little distraction. We're going to try our best to do it again for you next week. Uh, for my buddies, uh, do the show with me every day. You guys lay low now and take care of yourself. And uh, until we talk again, everybody, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.